Hey, guys. I just wanted to call and let you know that I was the purchaser of both the Melissa and Doug Drink and Wet Doll and Bloop Bloop Goes the Poop. Um, and so, first of all, you're welcome. Second of all, I would highly recommend both of those if you were potty training a toddler because not to humble brag, but I was able to potty train my two-year-old in less than two weeks using both of those tools. So helpful hints for any tens out there with toddlers that they need to potty train. Um, I definitely recommend those items. And, of course, purchasing them through Amazon.com, the little red bandwagon sticker, was that helpful for you guys? So I hope it got you out of a couple of jams. And if anything, it made Anne laugh. So you're welcome and have a great day. Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast about the podcast Too Beautiful to Live. I'm Bobby Pape in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, and joining me for this Monday recap edition of our show in the Stick of Butter Studios in New Brighton, Minnesota, Anne Lundholm. Good afternoon, Anne. Good afternoon, Bobby. And joining us, a special guest co-host in, well, let's just call it the West Hollywood Studios, because that sounds awesome, in <laughs> West Hollywood, California, Mike Farnan. Hi, guys. Hi, Mike. Mike, thank you for joining us. It's nice to finally have a, a great Mike uh, on this show. Uh, Mike is joining us this week for a couple of reasons. One, uh, because Ann and I are sick of all of our other co-hosts. Mm -hmm. And two, uh, because uh, Mike was the first winner of a Little Red Bandwagon wagon full of loot. And uh, he's going to open that for us live, or at least live to tape, on this show. He doesn't know what's in it. Ann and I don't know what's in it, and we're all going to find out together. But first, I've got some LRB business besides that, followed by our Week in Review housekeeping and how to get involved. And before we let Mike open that box, uh, can you catch us up on the Friday show? Yes. On Friday, Christy and I did a clip show that um, we called the Petty Theft Clip Show. It was all about times when people acted with slightly less than a full ethical values and you might think that this was an entire show about luke's behavior but it wasn't it was just almost entirely a show about luke's behavior 60 to 75 percent about luke's behavior but uh, we found some fun things in including a couple of luke classics and a couple of things that i had never heard before from the archives and we talked about candy a lot as christy and i always seem to get around to candy somehow on our shows and we had a good time <laughs> Yeah, uh, and the show picture of a cactus coming out of the front of a pair of clowns' pants uh, alone is disturbing and mm -hmm. interesting, and it won't make any sense unless you listen to Friday's show. Except you can know that that was Christy. Okay, that's a good point. If you have a clown with a cactus penis, that is Christy. <laughs> now, Christy's not the clown. It's just associated with Christy. Right. Uh, Thank you. Go listen to the Friday show, as always, uh, but especially these Friday shows. And you put uh, so much work and planning into those clip shows. Um, they're the highlight of the month for me with with LRB, mainly because I don't have to do anything for them. <laughs> they just magically appear. Yeah. I guess without Frizzell here this week, I get to be the extra lazy host. 
<laughs> you deserve it. Quick Simpsons Watch update. Uh, you guys missed it last week because uh, when I'm not around, people forget to go check in. But listener bet faithfully updating the TBTL Simpsons Watch Google spreadsheet. Uh, but it's okay because last week was a really light Simpsons week. And I'm saying the week before, the one we're about to recap, um, there was a quick reference to saxophone, classic Homer Simpson line. Uh, and the it was the best of times. It was the blurst of times dropped last Friday. We've got just a couple of great Simpsons references this week. I'll work them in as we go. Uh, more to come there. But thank you, listener, Bet, for your unending, tireless tracking of this for us. I appreciate it. Uh, and now, uh, before we open that wagon full of loot, uh, we're going to turn this into a compliment sandwich. We just had a lot of good stuff. And we're going to have more good stuff with the wagon full of loot. Uh, but in the middle, uh, quite a bumper crop of throw-your-phone moments. And... Indeed. Um, people had some feelings about the show over the last week, and we got a lot of emails, uh, including this first one from our pal Bob Stein, which is so good, I'm going to read it in its entirety. And it brings up a number of important things that I think it's worthwhile um, for us to talk about. I need some TBTL counseling. I almost almost threw in the towel and was ready to stop listening to Andrew and Luke during Friday's show. The thing that pissed me off was this. At the top of the show, Luke announced that the whole show would be devoted to OPP. He and Andrew then proceeded to take over 45 minutes to discuss a viral video on the internet that was mostly visual anyway. To their credit, they eventually got to the OPPs and did a good job in discussing them and offering their take. That and their usual stellar senses of humor saved me from jumping ship. So, here's my airing of grievances. One, why can't they stick to a show sheet? Two, if you announce that your whole show is devoted to discussing OPPs, don't you think that you should at least start off with this? And then, if you have time, discuss the other stuff? Isn't that more respectful to your audience slash fans? Three, why the hell would you discuss a viral video that you have to describe in detail and that is best left for people to see? This seems like a real waste of radio podcast time. Four, this is my opinion. I'm sure other listeners would not agree. Somebody, and that could be Luke or Andrew, needs to be more of a producer on the show and keep them on track. I think it would make for a more interesting podcast if some kind of agenda was nominally followed. So, some advice. How the heck do I keep perspective and still listen to the show? Yours in Frustray 10, Bob Stein. <laughs> Bob... You're stirring up a lot of shit here. You know that? <laughs> I was thinking about uh, about this a lot. And this is like the two sides of the coin with Luke and Andrew, right? They're tangenting and rambling and refusal to follow any kind of strict show sheet. It can lead to brilliant moments. And it can just be a total mess. And... You never know which one it's going to be. And I guess we have to figure out if we are willing to take the crap in order to get the gold that comes. I mean, I was just um, a couple of weeks ago when we had Andrea Ballard on, she mentioned that role play, the uh, Joe Biden role play that they did that one time that really made her attend. And I went back and I listened to it and it is so funny. And this is a complete tangent from what they were doing. And uh, if they followed a show sheet, we never would have gotten that. So 
I guess that's you just have to try and keep that in mind. Yeah. Uh, Mike, you're uh, new to us, mm-hmm. new to LRB, and we haven't run you through the usual paces that we will with the Friday show. So uh, I'm not going to run you through all those questions, but I'm curious in the context of this uh, concern. And I think Bob sort of speaks for the zeitgeist after the last <laughs> that uh-huh. last week. Yeah, last week was definitely pretty uh, a rough week for TBTL. I think everybody can agree on that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how long have you been listening? Uh, so I started listening regularly in 2009. I basically, I uh, heard Luke when he was the host of uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And I thought two things. I thought, first of all, Luke Burbank is the dumbest stage name I've ever heard. (laughs) And secondly, (laughs) that this guy's really funny. So I first listened to the show, I think the last time Luke hosted uh, Wait, Wait was right when TBTL was starting. And so I listened to it then and I did not like it at all. You know, (laughs) I was like, this is not a good show. But then after hearing Luke a couple more times on Wait, Wait, I went back and started listening again, and that's when I really got into it. So I basically, by accident, I ended up missing the entire radio portion of TBTL and uh, have only been listening since it was a podcast. But uh, yeah, so since uh, 2009 is is when I've been listening, and I would say since 2009, they've not stuck to a show sheet. That's my rough <laughs> estimate, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not having to hit the the news breaks uh, really, I think, took the last need for formality out of their schedule. Not having to get the commercials in and not having to hit the top of the hour. Um, not having to sweep the quarter hour, which is something we'll talk about later this week. Um, yeah, once they went to the podcast format, they really, even with Jen, mm-hmm. didn't need to stick to that like they used to. Um, but you've been listening long enough to have gone through some noted transitions and uh, highs and lows of TBTL. So uh, what's kept you listening this long? Uh, What's kept me listening is uh, I definitely relate to Luke a lot. As it happens, he and I are almost exactly the same age. His birthday is uh, May 8th, 1976, and I was born May 12th, 1976. So whenever he makes uh, cultural references or, uh, you know, talks about his childhood, it's you know, really hits home to me. Um, and then at least with the current host, longest running host, Andrew, <laughs> I certainly uh, relate to him a lot too. I'm definitely more of an Andrew in terms of personality uh, rather than, you know, big dog Luke Burbank. So, uh, so it's, it's really a great interplay. And of course I miss uh, Jen and I miss Sean. They were both, uh, wildly entertaining characters and it's always great when they're uh back on the show but uh that's kind of a rambly answer which i think speaks for itself as to why i like tbtl <laughs> well i just you know i think about and you were saying that the choice we have to make is if you're willing to take the crap with the gold mm-hmm. and it's kind of like thinking about no one cared when Babe Ruth bunted kind of stuff. It just not every day is going to be a gem. Right. Um, even, even in the rough stuff. And, and sometimes people think we're too critical. Uh, and we remind them that we're a criticism 
show uh, <laughs> that we wouldn't do if we weren't very much in love with TBTL and, and super fans to an almost disturbing degree. Um, it's tough. I mean, once in a while it's tough and you could hear it in the voices last week at the end of our recap. Um, yes. But, uh, you know, the good weeks will be back. Uh, the guys are clearly going through some transition right now. They have a new boss. There's some new sponsors in. Um, who knows what's happening on the external factors of the show. Um, but it, it'll swing back. It always does. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's the important part to remember. I was a little worried this week when we sort of had this large swath of, of negative commentary. And we've sort of invited that with these, quote, unquote, throw your phone moments. I'll encourage people to send the good things, too. Yes. Uh, because... Because I don't want to get bogged down in just all the negative when we do all love the show. But uh, Bob Stein, we hear you. We feel you. And uh, it, it'll get better. Uh, Dan Savage taught me that. It gets better. <laughs> and and if I can just say to a couple of the specifics that he pointed out, the whole idea of having an OPP show where they waste the first two-thirds of it talking about something else, 100% agree with you. I mean, they could have done five or six OPPs if they really wanted to in that show. So yeah. that's that's a, a planning issue, I think. And then the idea of discussing the viral video that you have to describe. Well, we got to remember that Andrew has this other podcast now where they describe a visual medium uh, of something that lasts about 30 seconds continually. And so he's extremely comfortable with that idea. I think that it's pretty clunky, but um, <laughs> something that he feels good about. So I think I think we're just going to have to accept it. Yeah. I had the brainstorm that they should just do like a, a little warning before uh, each episode saying, warning, we cover 22% of the show sheet in this particular episode. <laughs> or, you know, depending on how far they get, um, you know, just to kind of uh, um, let those of us who actually expect them to talk about what they say they're going to talk about a little heads up. Maybe you would uh, let people... Uh, breathe a little easier you know what i'm saying that's yeah. not a bad idea and that way way you can choose like some days i'm in the mood for a long and sort of free-form discussion and some days that's just not going to do it for me so it might be nice to have a little indication yeah uh and i wish you know they're not listening so it's fine but guys maybe just set the bar a little lower <laughs> <laughs> We usually don't get our hopes up for uh, listener interaction. I think most of us have learned our lessons on that, and I'll jump in with commentary from our friend Anthony here in just a moment on that line. But um, don't promise you're going to do a whole show about it. And then don't do it. <laughs> like don't don't bill it as a don't don't tell us you've got Donald Trump's tax returns, and then dick around for most of the show <laughs> and then have it really not be anything don't mad at us well and also when they do a show where they say they're only going to talk about one subject and then they don't even get to that one subject that's a little yeah. egregious i mm-hmm. think yeah or when they say put four minutes on the clock and then 18 minutes later <laughs> you know housekeeping <laughs> uh all right yeah moving on um 
let's go through the rest of this in, in a fairly quick fashion. Um, we had a couple of interesting emails from our pal Anthony, as Bobby mentioned. And um, on one of them, Anthony's feeling a little bit discouraged because he says he doesn't really want to call the TBTL voice line anymore um, because he feels like the guys don't care what people have to say. And that goes to the OPP, right? Where you say that you're going to talk about people's problems and then you spend time doing other things. And also the guys have, well, Luke specifically has talked about how he, you know, doesn't respond to people or, I mean, maybe, maybe again, we have too high expectations for them. I don't know what their volume of email is like, but I do remember back in the day, Luke asking Jen because he was worried that she was going to burn out from all the correspondence that she engaged in with people. So, I mean, I guess we have to sort of look for the sweet spot there that is something between them not ever acknowledging people and then them killing themselves to interact with people. And I think that listener interaction is what makes the show. It's really what I look forward to is the emails and email segment. And I get very disappointed when they decide that they don't have enough time for it and they just, oh, push it off till tomorrow. Like, you know, their hour discussion of Andrew's phone plan problems is, is more important than what the listeners have to say. <laughs> but I don't, I don't think that it's intentional. I think they do care, but I think that they're both not Jen. So, and she, she sets the bar so high for that. Yeah. I, I will, I want to give the guys a little bit of credit. Um, I think just because of Andrew's level of audio, they have been playing more voicemails than they ever used to. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Not all of them, and they'll never get to all of them. But I, I actually am impressed at the way more listener feedback's getting into the show in that medium. Um, I don't know. I'm sure it's a deluge every day to go through that inbox. Um, but uh, I, I give them some credit there. In that way, it's trending up. Yes, I agree. Yeah, there's yeah. going to be a great uh, voicemail that we'll talk about for a Tuesday show. That's really funny. So there, at Excellent. least listen to that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, continuing on, we had a, a second quick note from Anthony where he's saying that he's really pleased about the uh, political talk on the show. He was feeling that sort of since the election, they had tried to rein themselves in so much. You know, Luke and Andrew had a couple of discussions about how much political talk is appropriate for the show. And um, and Anthony was very happy that they talked about the Rachel Maddow thing and the McDonald's Twitter and Julian Assange um, because he doesn't want to um, be in this uh, happy fantasy bubble i guess he wants luke and andrew to talk about the real world when the real world happens and i think they're still trying to figure out the balance on that i mean i think they don't want to bum each other out as well as bumming the listeners out and so i would expect that there would be some more experimenting with that in the in the days to come i'm with anthony on this uh they need to sort of be themselves and if that's what's burning them up, I mean, these are these are unreasonable times, so they need to be unreasonable. <laughs> <laughs> Can we do the fun feedback? We got a lot of week to recap, but I want to yes. make sure we get the fun feedback in. Yep. I'll, we got an email from Megan who took a short trip to L.A. to Mike's 
stomping grounds and she sent us a note she said i just had to share the preponderance of tbtl moments that culminated in my short trip to los angeles so here's what happened to megan on this trip she flew into burbank which has some obvious connections uh she said she went to rock and roll trivia night which had her thinking of you bobby uh, then uh, one of the questions at Trivia Night was, until age eight, Liv Tyler thought she was the biological child of this musician. It was one of the only questions that she knew the answer to because of TTL. <laughs> and then she says, on my flight home, I started to get a strong whiff of food that one of my fellow passengers was consuming. I ignored it at first, but it was a strong smell. So I looked up and wouldn't you know it, it's a bag of Duke's meat sticks. Power out. <laughs> So I, there is definitely a TBTL convergence in Megan's life. <laughs> yeah. And she didn't mention it, but she flew a red eye with two layovers. So she immediately thought of Susie Burbank. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Landed about 400 miles from her uh, actual destination. and Yeah. Just perfect. Took a bus back. Yeah. <laughs> and we had a lot more feedback on our Facebook page this week. Um, we've run long on uh, the throw your phone moment, so I won't include any of that. But there have been some good conversations and really good posts by people this week. So if you haven't been over to our Facebook page in a while, please um, come and join the fun. Very good. Now on to the the heart of the matter here. Mike, uh, one of the reasons, not just for your stunning commentary that you're here this week. <laughs> Uh, and your two legs. Let's not get over that. It's nice to right. have a two-legged mic. I am a two-legged individual. I admit that. Our, our current mic is getting a little worn around the edges, so we're shopping <laughs> yeah. for a newer model. Yeah. He's been uh, he's been scooting his cart into trouble over at the HEB. Uh, that those are his hopping grounds. Um, Mike, you've got a wagon full of loot over there. I do, and it's quite substantial. Actually, it's a big. Uh priority mailbox and it's pretty hefty i'm not i have no idea what is in it but uh should i do the deed and crack it open i think yes. you should i think the whole world is waiting all right so let me uh cut this open here do we have a drum roll <laughs> well now that you said it i guess we will yes Okay, so we got some uh, Tim's jalapeno potato chips. Excellent. Some uh, Theo chili dark chocolate. I love dark chocolate, so that's awesome. Um, it's ah, it's a darn good baseball cap. <laughs> nice. I assume is from the uh, the uh, convenience store right by uh, Andrew's place. So that's I don't awesome. Think it could be from anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. Some uh, salted caramels. Again, looks delicious. Mm. Some applets and coatlets. Uh, applets and cotlets. Cotlets. Uh, you're, you'll have to report back and tell us if you love or hate them. Because, as I'm told, there's nobody on the show right now at this moment from Seattle. But no one is uh, medium on applets and cutlets, everyone either loves them or hates them. Yeah, they're described as uh, apple, apricot, and walnut candies. It looks like a kind of like Turkish delight, maybe. Um, yeah. So you, somewhere between fruitcake and a gummy bear. Yeah, yeah, and kind, of, kind of, kind <laughs> of, yeah, gummy bear ish, perhaps. So uh, that's 
Interesting. <laughs> I, I personally don't have much of a sweet tooth, so... Um, but, uh, so the next thing is cocktail prep smoked sausage sticks. Kind of, Ooh. sort of like Duke's, a little smaller. Uh, and the brand on those? Oberto. Oh boy, Oberto. Excellent. Yes. That's your, that's your regional meat stick. Ah, I see. Yeah, that doesn't look, look like a brand I'm familiar with. They're very good. Uh, Christy and Jeremy once sent me a giant pack of those, too. And then another chocolate bar, but this is a beast mode chocolate bar. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, uh, I, I'm assuming that's a local Seattle chocolate bar as well. Uh, it's a Marshawn Lynch more- thing, right? Beast mode? Yes. Yeah, let's hope it stayed fresh longer than Marshawn Lynch. <gasps> Ooh. Uh, he used to be a Buffalo Bill. I love Marshawn Lynch, but, you know, he's retired unless he becomes an Oakland Raider. This is a conversation for the sports podcast. Stay tuned for that. Someday we'll get that <laughs> off the ground. Ooh. And now this is a bottle of Jive Espresso Stout. And it's handcrafted in Seattle. So it's a... a 7.5% alcohol. It's uh, two beers worth. So I am a fan of both espresso and stout. So this is a perfect. This is going to be going in my belly this evening for sure. Excellent. <laughs> I think Christy did mention something about uh, eschewing the rules of the post office with this package. Oh, yeah. I, sp- I suppose it's technically illegal to ship alcohol, perhaps, right. but. Uh, and the next thing is uh, cashew roca, the original butter crunch toffee with cashews. Gotta love the cashew g- being the superior roca flavor. Yeah, never, uh, not familiar with roca either. So, but I love cashews. So that sounds delicious. I have a can of cashew roca on my desk ah. that I'm looking at right now that I pick at on special occasions. Uh, next is. Also in the cashew genre, we have the Sahel Snacks Thai Cashews, which sounds delicious. I'm just impressed that this package has a cashew genre. Yes. <laughs> they, they, uh, they've got a, a theme going here. Um, I mean, my God, this is like Mary Poppins bag. You like yeah. pull a lamp out of there next? Uh, I, I'm getting towards the bottom, but the next thing is uh, – a darn good uh, vinyl sticker, which is awesome in itself. But the thing I'm noting about it is there's still the price tag on it, and it's four ninety nine for this two inch or three inch by three inch sticker, which seems a little <laughs> pricey for a branded sticker from a convenience store. But still, very. That's. Uh, Love love the darn darn good or excuse me darn good. I should probably pronounce it correctly. Okay, we're uh, we're not in a position to judge the price of that sticker, but you can get your Little Red Bandwagon logo sticker, three inch <laughs> diameter, for eight dollars at LittleRedBandwagon.com. <laughs> Is my uh, sticker criticism uh, cramping your game? <laughs> well, I mean, ours supports. Uh, your favorite podcast, or at least your second favorite podcast. Yeah. Ours so are artisan right. stickers. It, it, go, yeah. it goes to a good cause. Okay, so the last thing is 
there are some coasters from the Port Townsend Brewing Company. Ah. Uh, yeah, so some coasters from the Port Townsend Brewing Company and a glass uh, also from the Port Townsend uh, Brewing Company. So I wonder if Christy, like she talked about on Thursday's show, bought this or stole this. It I was ups- wondering exactly <laughs> the same thing. I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that she stole them. That would be my instinct. It it appears to be unused or or certainly very well washed. But uh, yes, yeah, so, uh, that uh, that would be hilarious if she she uh, did a little uh, five finger discount on that. <laughs> So, uh, and that's it. That was the final item. Uh, so thank you, uh, Jeremy and Christy. Those are some excellent gifts. I'll, I'll, I'll like take a picture of them or something. So, and send it to you guys. So maybe we can post Sounds it. Sounds like we've got a show picture. Exactly. So <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And Mike, we, we want to thank you for your service with the archiving project. Ah, well, th- thank you so much. You are not just a winner of the raffle. You are a winner in Christie's heart. <laughs> well, my, my basic method for uh, archiving is I will ask Christy to assign me a week, and then I'll wait roughly two to three months and then do that. And then so winning the raffle was basically an accident. I'd completely forgotten about the contest and just realized, oh, I haven't done my archiving in months and months. I should probably uh, get this taken care of so it was by pure chance that i happened to submit right before the first raffle so uh i'm glad i did because now i have all this great stuff well congratulations and uh very grateful to archivists like you that make those clip shows i don't have to do any work on possible (laughs) among many other great things uh so many things in there from christy and jeremy the next uh winner will be getting a loot crate from another one of us and so on every month uh we're all looking forward to putting together our crates and uh christy and jeremy have set the bar pretty high for the rest of us Mm -hmm. and we'll all be competing to match or outdo them so that's what you're in the mix for uh every time you archive for lrb uh and with that we really should get started with our week in review (laughs) Uh, Monday, number 2335. Can you use that word in a sandwich? Uh, Luke introduces Andrew as his longest-running non-sausage-missing co-host, to which Andrew replies that he actually missed the Wallingford Worst Festival (laughs) that happened recently. And come on, Andrew, doesn't your love of sausage make up for your distaste for being with people? (laughs) This is your thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sorry you you caught me on a sip of coffee <laughs> i should have known better <laughs> so andrew has a headache that uh he says just descended before the show started he says it's weird because he doesn't normally have these kinds of experiences probably caffeine related he took some advil he's all ready to go i'm very glad that he let us know his medication regimen um, Luke says that he doesn't get headaches very often, um, as an adult especially. He's had a couple of migraines, but other than that, n- nothing really. But he uh, says that he had several per week when he was a child, and he thinks that's probably due to all the 
the running around and rough playing that he did as a kid. And he also says that crying a lot would lead to a headache. Um, does this make sense to you guys? Uh, as an emotionless man? Yeah. <laughs> I, I've never thought of headaches and crying necessarily going together personally. But uh, I suppose, uh, you know, Luke's mind is a mysterious place. So <laughs> I, it's not the strangest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I, I sob pretty regularly, but I I never think of the headache in that moment. Well, I um, am familiar with this crying until you have a headache. Um, if I can tell the story of the first time I ever went to see a therapist, which, as you may guess involved a lot of crying and I was uh, in college and things had gotten pretty bad for me emotionally and finally my mother said you have got to go to university counseling services and so I did and I made the appointment and I was sitting in the waiting room and a man came in and called my name and this threw me for a loop because my issues were so much about sort of my body and my feelings of self-worth and my level of attractiveness and stuff. The idea of talking to a lady about that would have been hard, but to talk to a 40-year-old strange dude was just beyond me. And I thought for like a second and a half, maybe I just won't say anything. I'll just sit here and pretend not to be me, and eventually he'll go away. But... It, I found that I'm not that kind of person. I couldn't do that. So I identified myself and we went in and we sat down. I sat on the love seat and he said, so what would you like to talk about today? And I could not answer him because I had that, that lump that feels like a tennis ball that gets in the middle of your throat. And I couldn't force any words past it because I knew if I did, the dam would break and I would just start crying. And he asked again. He's like, we can talk about whatever you want. I had nothing. And he said, well, there must be a reason that you've come here today to talk to me. And I said, I'm so unhappy. And then I cried for 50 minutes and it was not the pretty cry. <laughs> and then he said, I think that we should talk again next week. Can you come back? And I said, uh-huh. And at this point I had cried for so long and so hard that my face swelled up. Like I couldn't, really blink my eyes very well because everything was so swollen and my head was pounding and I've never quite felt anything like that against it again and then I left and I was walking across the quad and I ran into my roommate who's many wonderful things but she's not a keen observer of human emotion and she was like hey you want to go get some lunch that would be fun and I'm like uh-huh <laughs> so that was what happened the first time that I went to therapist, which is why I still go today, because clearly I had a lot of work to do. But um, so when Luke talks about getting that cr headache from crying, that is definitely something that I know about. And then the last time you went to therapy was like an hour and a half ago. Uh-huh. And no so, crying. Ah. no crying. <laughs> now let's not talk about two weeks ago because that was pretty bad. But ah. <laughs> we take it, we take it one week at a time. <laughs> so you didn't get a headache two weeks ago, though. You just had no. Okay, mm -mm. that's good. <laughs> no, that that first time was uh, that was an emotional dam bursting, in a way that I have never, never felt before, or since. 
So anyway, uh, Andrew can't actually remember the last time he really cried. He makes a distinction between getting choked up and actually crying. Uh, Luke says the last time he cried was when they were in Florida for that wedding and the travel ban happened and there was all that news footage of people rushing to the airports to be supportive and protest and um, that made him have all the feels. So he, he had a good cry over that. I think a lot of people felt that way. Um, he's really remarkably secure about um, talking about his emotions like that. I mean, that's not typical for guys to be so free with saying how much they cry. Yeah. Well, Luke wearing his emotions has always been a, a strength of his in his personality, too. Um, we've talked recently, and you guys talked on Friday, about how he's not afraid to make himself the villain of his stories. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think the same is true that he's not afraid to make himself the vulnerable of his stories. Um, it. it goes to the core of, I would say, six or seven of his ten stories. Yeah. 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 <laughs> his ten stories and variations thereof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and let's end this particular topic by Andrew saying that the headache is making his jokes not funny. That's the reason. Uh, they move <laughs> on right. to they move on to the annual St. Patrick's Day hate rant. Um, we get kind of a new wrinkle in it. You know, usually Luke says how much he hates St. Patrick's Day because it's amateur night. But this time he says he hates it because um, all the bros use it as an excuse to go out and party, which is the truth. And then they get mad at Chicago because they did the parade and the river dying and all the partying on the previous weekend. And when Luke looked up the day of St. Patrick's Day, it was actually on Friday. So really, they should have been, uh, well, they should have been partying as we record this episode. Right. Is is his contention. So they're both pretty upset about that. <laughs> and they talk about it more on Tuesday, uh, this particular subject. Uh, my only thought about this was that um, I have mentioned before one of the bars I host trivia in is a pseudo faux Irish pub oh, yeah. called Fat Bellies in downtown Providence, which is a bar I love and I love the staff. But being very close to Providence College and Brown and Rinstein, you wouldn't think the Ivy League kids can party, but they can, trust me. Um, I went up and uh, we we're only open on the first floor on a weeknight, but I sneak up to the second floor to use the bathroom because it's clean and the door uh, locks and I'll have a little more privacy. And so even if I just need to use it quick, I'd rather just do that and stay out of the riffraff bathroom downstairs. So I run upstairs and I notice that um, in the men's room, a giant chunk of wall is missing. And this place is rough, especially on Friday and Saturday nights. It gets really busy. There's a DJ. It's the kind of place where things break um, and it's fine. And it's the kind of thing that, especially on St. Patrick's weekend, that's going to happen. There's just going to be some of that. But all I could think was it's not even St. Patrick's day. Yet. <laughs> and it was after I heard Monday's episode and I just thought to myself, all right, I'll give him a little bit of slack about his uh, shaking his fist at his cloud on this one. The bar is already falling apart, and they still have to get through the hole next week. <laughs> and, uh, 
I did notice that the walls in that bathroom are painted red, and in a couple of other spots there were strategic um, patches made out of red duct tape. <laughs> oh, that's classy. <laughs> yeah. Because I think they're just not going to bother trying to repair it until after next weekend. <laughs> so, <laughs> fine. Um, well, they end this discussion. I didn't put it in the notes, but uh, one of them made a fireball reference, and then Andrew had to go into th- a thing about how he and Veeves went to the uh, the Wolverine movie, Logan, and how in one scene, uh, Logan, who is supposed to be a bottoming out alcoholic, has a an empty bottle of fireball, and Andrew is upset because he says that no self-respecting alcoholic would drink that when they were bottoming out. <laughs> Uh, to which I say, Andrew, buddy, don't read some Bukowski and think that you understand alcoholism. <laughs> you don't know. Uh, I believe as the drop has taught us, I like to drink what people always drink when they day drink, which is what the fuck ever. <laughs> <laughs> Any alcohol seems like a good idea when you're looking for alcohol. Didn't some uh, listener suggest that, I guess, Logan is a limo driver, so maybe he uh, found that in the back of his limo from some guest he was driving around? I think somebody speculated as to that's where the fireball may have arrived from, which I thought... Sure, why not? Sure. Yeah. Somebody's putting a lot of thought into that, so... <laughs> if if this movie had been made 10 years ago, it would have been Jägermeister. <laughs> right. Yes, yeah. <laughs> My favorite... Um, little touch in this whole episode was the story that um, Andrew told about Genevieve, where Genevieve was, quote, on the street corner, which I thought was interesting phrasing, uh, waiting to cross the light. And she was next to a couple. And the man said, we don't cross against the light, Gail. We're not millennials. Which is fantastic. Yes. As somebody who works at a university, and I, the instinct for self-preservation does not kick in for those kids when <laughs> they're in college. I can't believe that m- more college students don't get killed just heading out into the street whenever they feel like it. Yep. And so, I'm with you. And never say that your significant other, especially if a lady, is on the street on corner. The street corner. <laughs> just, just recast that anytime you feel the instinct to say it. Uh, The top story for today is that a five-year-old Edith Fuller from East Oklahoma is going to go to the, the, what's the actual name, the Scripps National Spelling Bee. Um, She outspelled 50 other kids in her district, and the the winning word was Janana. And didn't you know as soon as Luke said it that this was going to be a disaster? It's just there was no possible way that Andrew was going to be able to spell this word. Not that I knew how to spell it, but it was just a a, a doomed proposition there. Uh, they're really quick impressed. on the buzzer, though. Yeah, <laughs> real quick on the buzzer. That was good. <laughs> uh, they're very impressed that. Uh, Edith is competing against kids who are almost three times as old as she is. And then for whatever reason, uh, Andrew decides that he's going to try and spell restaurant, which um, (laughs) he also cannot spell correctly. But I don't blame him because I think a lot of people get hung up on that one. And he says that spelling is probably not so important anymore. He thinks that it's more important in this society these days to have a creative brain rather than to be a good speller. And Luke says that language and spelling is actually a type of intelligence. And I would just say aptitude. 
think it's it's an aptitude, just like um, sports or music or anything else. Some people are just better at it. Yeah, I'm a terrible speller. I'm I'm so bad I can routinely confuse autocorrect. You know, where I have to try a word three or four times before <laughs> autocorrect can even figure out what it's uh, like. So I, I certainly related with uh, Andrew when he <laughs> couldn't spell restaurant uh, out loud. Well, that's when it's a pub. Or bistro, <laughs> or a cafe. Some, sometimes not being able to spell just leads you to a more descriptive word. Well, what Andrew is taking from this is that he hopes that parents aren't pressuring the kids. That that this isn't a a stage parent kind of type of situation, and and they talk about how in general um, spelling bee kids just seem like really nice children, and and Luke says he hopes that there's there's no Cobra Kai faction of the spelling bee, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was great. I'm trying to picture a spelling bee stage mom because we were flipping channels the other night, and uh, I guess they gave the what's her name the mom from Honey Boo Boo a new TV show about her. She's going to lose a bunch of weight and, and get her life together. And they're making a show about that. And that's, that's what I see when I see stage mom. So I'm having a real hard time picturing the spelling bee version of that. I don't think it's quite the same. <laughs> well, they, they mentioned it and, and I think they've also used a couple of drops from it, but there's that documentary uh, spellbound which is all about oh, sure. the spelling bee, which is a fantastic documentary. I, I highly recommend that. And it did seem like there were maybe a few parents in there who could be described as sort of the stage mob type, perhaps. But on the whole, it seemed like most spelling bee kids seemed uh, like actually relatively normal kids for the most part. So I don't think Andrew has too much to worry about. They're just not quite old enough to be getting beaten up for this yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Andrew says that he has no, quote, lecorection of a school spelling bee, which I thought was just <laughs> totally endearing. <laughs> uh, Luke said that only one time he made it to the all school spelling bee, and he had a mind explosion because of the thought that he could have won a trip to D.C. And he, he was always the kid who had those big dreams that he was going to win the trip to D.C. or you know, sell all the candy bars and get the big prize or whatever. I mean, he's a dreamer and a schemer. We all know that. <laughs> so that tracks perfectly with his personality. Um, then Andrew goes on to his Oh Andrew story of the week, day, hour, who knows, uh, where he had this encounter at the at the grocery store, I think, with the Girl Scout selling Girl Scout cookies. And um he really liked her. He thought that she was outgoing and cute and, and a cool girl, and he wanted to buy some cookies from her, but he didn't want to carry them around the grocery store, so he figured he'd hit her on the way out. And when he came out, she had been replaced by an awkward, not-cool Girl Scout. who <laughs> 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 Oh, Andrew, who really wasn't paying attention, and he wished that the cool Girl Scout was still there. And um, he could have purchased from her her parents but as he says quote i'm not in the business of buying cookies from adults <laughs> <laughs> i actually buy most of the cookies i eat in a given year from adults uh only only one time a year do i buy them from children uh 
And uh, Mike, I, I'm interested in the note that you have on the run sheet here because this is this is the future of Girl Scout cookies. Yeah, yeah. So my uh, my niece is a Girl Scout, and every year I just get an email from her saying, "Go to my web page and buy cookies from my web page," which kind of seems like cheating to me. You know, I think they kind of the guys kind of talked about it a little bit on the show. Is part of the whole selling thing is getting kids to kind of you know come out of their shell and learn how to interact with people so to just email somebody a link always kind of seems like isn't that kind of uh not the the entire point of selling girl Mm -hmm. scout cookies so i've i i I definitely agreed with andrew like you'd want to kind of reach out to maybe the shy kid or or the kid who's uh seems like they're struggling because i know as a kid anytime i had to sell anything or you know interact with adults and try and get money from them. It was always a a terrifying experience for me. So I feel for the kids who don't really want to do it, but kind of have to. I had no shame as a child and thus as a Boy Scout sold more popcorn than anyone else in my troop one year. (laughs) Uh, Just hustling my neighbors. Uh, Stranger Danger was a low priority for me (laughs) and selling popcorn was a high priority for me. So uh, I worked that neighborhood so hard, <laughs> uh, and all I had to show for it was a living room full of popcorn I had to deliver when I was done, and then I never tried that hard again oh. because I, I learned my lesson. That seems like a very bulky product. <laughs> Didn't you get a prize? Uh, I must have gotten some sort of prize. I, I was the Kenny Higgins of that year, but I don't remember what the prize was, and it wasn't that great. Oh, was it, that the name of the kid that uh, got the fucking Luke scooter? Won the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and again, as noted on Friday, no hesitation to use a first and last name. <laughs> so, for once, it wasn't Peter Williams. That's all. Right. Uh, Luke does mention that he he was a, a hustler as a kid. He wanted to sell that popcorn. Or, I mean, he was never in Boy Scouts, right? But he wanted to sell those candy bars or whatever it was, and. Um, I guess it's probably just another sort of part of what makes makes up the chip on his shoulder is that he was upset at those kids whose whose parents did the work for them. You know, maybe they brought them to the office and sold them to their coworkers there. And, and I don't know exactly what Walter's office setup was, but I'm pretty sure there was no option to sell candy bars at the sign shop. <laughs> so Luke feels that injustice keenly, obviously. Um, and emails for the day, uh, we get an email um, from Annie on the tradition of naming digging equipment after women. If we go back to last week, um, there was that email about the giant Seattle tunnel digger thing named after Bertha Knightlandis. And apparently this was not just a, a one-time deal that it goes on and Actually, um, that dates back to the 1500s, which is pretty amazing to me. Um, We get an email from Greg, who uh, wants to contribute to the discussion on um, journalists in comic books and says that April O'Neil from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle was a journalist. And that took Luke and Andrew um, quite far down the way back path talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Luke loved the cartoon and Andrew loved the comic book and they loved the original movie and unfortunately that segues into Vanilla Ice talk. (laughs) 
<laughs> to which I wrote down, yikes, and Luke spends a fair amount of time defending Vanilla Ice, and I want to say, Luke, just admit that you like Vanilla Ice. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I, I have one thing that hung me up on the Vanilla Ice talk. I zoned out for most of it. Uh, but there is one point when the question is posed, is this Ice Ice Baby era Vanilla Ice? To which I thought, is there any other era of Vanilla Ice? If you look at Vanilla Ice's discography, there's Ice Ice Baby, uh, the single off to the extreme in 1990. Then he hangs in there for about a year and then nothing that charts anywhere until 2008. When he gets a blip in the UK for a track called Ice Ice Baby Re-Recorded Remastered. <laughs> <laughs> Thus cementing you... his entire career as the Ice Ice Baby era of his career. When you think about it, it's almost kind of impressive that he has this much public recognition because he was essentially a flash in the pan. I mean, how many other artists from that era do we still talk about like this? Yeah, he's really the ultimate one-hit wonder for a song mm -hmm. whose only redeeming quality is that they ripped off the bass line from Under Pressure. So, <laughs> Yeah. We need one hit, and then LRB will be set for life. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait for those royalties to start rolling in. That's right. <laughs> and uh, uh, that finishes Monday for me. Yeah, Mike... Why don't you take us through Tuesday? Okay, Tuesday's show is uh, episode 2,336, and the title is, Is That All For You? <laughs> or, Is, comma, That, comma, All, comma, For, comma, You? Uh, so the show starts off with Luke playing an even shorter version of the, isn't that for techno geeks and spreadsheets uh, drop, only now he's playing the absolute smallest uh, section of that clip that he can possibly do uh, while triggering it manually. And uh, so he's really, really Burbanking that joke, uh, <laughs> if we can call it a joke. And He's going to give Andrew a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Andrew... So then Andrew actually confronts him about it and wonders why Luke, who has said on many occasions that he has anxiety about playing drops and the quality and the volume and the duration of drops, why this doesn't bother him at all that uh, he's doing this. And Andrew, or excuse me, Luke says, well, since I'm controlling it and doing it on purpose, that doesn't cause anxiety. Um, and then Luke ends up admitting that he can't tell when uh, Andrew is fake laughing at his jokes, which will come up again at the end of the week. Uh, on Friday's show, and then, uh, and you had the note. I was, didn't really catch the Black Mirror reference, but uh, there was sort of a side comment. Um, they should somebody should do, or a Black Mirror, I guess, should do an episode about rage podcasting because they were talking <laughs> about the idea of of Andrew doing all this fake laughter, but then um, just having a completely straight face while he was doing it. So that they were thinking of this black mirror episode where it was some DJ or somebody who was, was raging rage laughing and then had that um, 
uh, anger face. Well, I, I don't, I can't watch Black Mirror. It's too scary. Yeah, I haven't seen that show at all, so I, I didn't follow that reference. But uh, uh, and then next we get a new drop from a listener, Bill in Toronto. Uh, the new drop is Life Hack It, Buddy, which is spliced together from several different clips. So it has a very weird kind of rhythm and tone to it. What do you guys it think was of like that? Like a drop? ransom note, <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. like a ran- cut out of the different newspaper fonts. Yeah, yeah. It, it has a an interesting quality to it. I can't. I haven't decided if if I like that drop or if it's really annoying or if it's you know one of those things like the seven stages of grief where you just kind of eventually learn to accept it. But uh, the, I'm sure we're going to be hearing that uh, many, many, many times. Yes, they both agree that it is a terrible drop, but you know, like you, they say that it's it's fast growing on them. And Luke makes an analogy to the world's ugliest dog contest, and those dogs are ugly. It's almost always that um, the Chinese crested dog that wins that show. Those things are amazingly ugly, but I, I guess it's so ugly that it gets cute after a while and they're thinking that's what's going to happen with this drop yeah that that actually brings up uh, uh something they the show pick for that day is one of those ugly dogs and it's it's a very cute ugly dog so if, if you haven't checked it out definitely look at the show pick for a tuesday show because it is a very funny picture um after that they uh, talk briefly about mental illness and how people today who have psychotic breaks and uh um hallucinations now generally it comes in the form of uh, like the cia is watching you or they talk about the revelation that uh the cia hacked samsung televisions and could use them to listen in on people and how that could really confirm uh the fears of psychotic people this is just another ploy by big tinfoil Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> We've seen it before. We're going to see it again. I think the whole point about the people that suffer from paranoid mental illnesses is that they don't need confirmation that they're being spied on. Yes. <laughs> I mean, if anything, is there reverse psychology here? If the mainstream media is reporting on it, then it's a lie. It must be right. a lie. Yeah, maybe they'll go. They talk about how, you know, prior to the digital age, people thought it was ghosts or religious uh, uh, spirits that were spying on them. So maybe now that they think the mainstream media is talking about TVs, maybe they'll go back to ghosts or spirits or something like that. I'm pretty sure sure the CIA is just a front for the Illuminati anyway. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Freemasons rule the country. Um. After that, we go back to some more St. Patrick's Day talk. Uh, Listener Mike from Chicago says that people always celebrate St. Patrick's Day the weekend early. Um, And this, of course, infuriates Luke, and they talk about nobody should celebrate any holiday early. And then Luke says... Oh, by the way, I already have my Halloween costume planned. He and Carrie are going to be Jan and Wayne Schuyler from the Tim and Eric Awesome Show. Uh, so that sounds like a really obscure costume that absolutely nobody will get. But uh, he seems pretty jazzed about it. 
I know. Is it a good costume if nobody knows what it is? <laughs> if you have to explain it all night? I, I've I've had that before where uh, one year I dr- dressed up as uh, Carl Hungus from uh, The Big Lebowski and <laughs> went to a big party. And I think one person got who I was. And I thought it was really clever. And so the whole night I was kind of sulking and in a bad mood because nobody got my brilliant costume. So I foresee that in uh, Luke's future. Well, uh, Luke and Carrie did go as the owners of the feminist bookstore from Portlandia. Oh, yeah. And that was a last minute costume of theirs, (laughs) I think, last year. And once you told what it was, it was a really good costume. Mm -hmm. But until then, it you know, just so they're working their way through the obscure sketch comedy costumes. And I think as long as they're going to stick to that theme, I respect it. Uh, yeah, so that's that. It, uh, during the donor segment, Luke tries maybe the worst Irish accent anybody has ever tried before. Uh, which oh, he... poor Connor Mulcahy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll remember that name till the day I die. <laughs> yeah, that, that was uh, just inexplicable. So next, uh, there is a long discussion about travel-sized Viagra, which I have to say, I've seen those commercials, and I also wondered why you needed to to make uh, Viagra in travel-sized little packets. Uh, And so they talk about, uh, I don't think Andrew ever uses the term, but he's trying to think of it. I think the term he was looking for was manufactured demand, you know, trying to sell Mm -hmm. you something you don't need, but they want to sell you anyways. And Andrew goes to a feminist place talking about all the boner pills that men have to uh, avail themselves of, where, of course, women's issues are completely ignored and nobody spends any money uh, on commercials for them for that type of thing. Uh, I don't know. Did you oh, co- why would they? Yes. <laughs> there's, there's no money in that. <laughs> So, yes, Andrew uh, drops his this is what a feminist looks like moment into that discussion. And then uh, the top story is the Goodyear blimp is no longer a blimp. It is now a semi-rigid dirigible. Bobby, can I say it? Can I say it, please? Yes, yes, you can say it. Sounds like my last date. (laughs) (laughs) I never get to say that. (laughs) You put it in the notes first, so it was all yours. Somebody else always says it before I even figure out the dirty part. <laughs> well, you you were the pump was primed by the fact that there was a conversation about boner pills right before right. the semi rigid dirigible. Yeah, and I think it, didn't the guys make some comment along those lines as well? I, it could be a mistake. I don't think you could stop them if you tried. Yeah, yeah, that seems like a ripe fruit for them so uh and so there's a bit of blimp talk andrew uh recommends the thomas harris book black sunday uh which apparently involves blimps and uh luke mentions the new yorker article from uh, february 29th 2016 called helium dreams which is also all about blimps and i read that article in the new yorker and if you are interested in blimps you should read that article. 
And if not... And who's not interested in blimps, really? Everything you wanted to learn about blimps and more. So... Uh, Sounds like a link for the show notes. Yes, uh, I can uh, email that. We'll take care yeah. of that. <laughs> uh, next, it's Johnny Depp talk. Uh, there's a story out that Johnny Depp spends $30,000 a month on wine. He also once spent $3 million to blast Hunter S. Thompson's ashes out of a cannon. Uh, and Johnny Depp is apparently having money troubles. So this is a discussion that has been in the news quite a bit lately. And the guys then talk about how they used to like Johnny Depp, but now after the uh, revelations that he uh, abused his wife and his increasingly bizarre and behavior, they're much less of a fan of his, but they both still love the movie Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And they talk about a couple of other movies uh, that they like including uh, Jackie Brown and the Big Lebowski, of course. Uh, so I don't know. Do you guys have any opinion on Johnny Depp? I am not a fan of Johnny Depp. Never have been. And I don't... This always makes me think when they talk about Johnny Depp is how Luke and Jen used to talk about Shia LaBeouf back in the radio days. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> they were like, he's so great. He's so cool. And he's doing his own thing. And I'm like... He's gross, and that's kind of how I feel about Johnny Depp. He just always looks like he needs to take a shower. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is Uh, a very good observation. I agree with that 100%. uh, Sam will watch the Pirates movies. They're all in the short list of movies that will just be on TV, and so she'll put them on in the background in the house while we're doing stuff. And I have the same issue with the Pirates of the Caribbean movies that I have with the Harry Potter movies, which is that I can sit and watch them and be mildly engaged for 20 minutes to an hour. But you couldn't I couldn't tell you which one it is. (laughs) I couldn't tell you any of the salient points about the plot of any of them uh, because I just don't care. Um, And, uh, yeah, I've never had a strong opinion either way on Johnny Depp until the shower thing. I think you nailed it, Anne. (laughs) (laughs) I will say that what was – I saw Finding Neverland in which he played J.M. Barry, the the author of Peter Pan, and that was a fantastic movie. So there's one in my plus column for Johnny Depp. And uh, the movie uh, Donnie Brasco, which he did probably 20 years ago now, where he plays an undercover cop uh, infiltrating the mob, that's really good. But I think that's about the last Johnny Depp movie that I can think of that I really liked. So, uh, yeah, I can. uh, Well, I mean, I love Edward Scissorhands. Like, if we're going to go back to the beginning. Yes, that's a good movie. Sure, there's there's plenty of perfectly good movies in there, but as as a current thing. Yeah. I just couldn't care less. He's a talented actor, but I just think maybe the the drugs have sort of, I don't, I don't know, sunk into all his tissues to the point where he's <laughs> just weird. Uh, then listener emails. Uh, Luke actually mentions this very podcast in that his LRB uh, created Daytime Emmy Award winner stamp is sitting on his... Uh, shelf by his desk and he also spent a long time to find bookends that he just got that are from germany which seems 
inexplicable <laughs> that <laughs> not the expensive bookends <laughs> no <laughs> yeah i'm just looking at my desk right now and my bookends are a coffee mug actually for the i doubt it with dollamore podcast and a roll of gaffer's tape <laughs> uh, imported from amazon <laughs> Yeah, see, even, I don't care how design-minded you are. I don't think, uh, you know, doing a deep dive to find the perfect bookends is really the most, uh, the best use of anybody's time. So that's... Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> uh, then we get an awesome voicemail from uh, listener Rich in Philly. Uh, listener Rich in Philly went to a drive-in and ordered four Big Mac Juniors. I guess his... Uh, his normal order is four Big Macs, but he was feeling uh, restrained, so he only, only ordered four Big Macs. But then when the uh, person at the window said, is that all for you, he assumed that the person was confronting him. So he faked a telephone <laughs> call to ask somebody who wasn't there on the other end of the line if they wanted drinks and then ordered sodas so that it would appear that the order was for a bunch of people. And Luke makes a point that he perhaps misunderstood the tone of the person and uh, the, the server was just saying, is that all for you, as you often hear? Um, and then Luke goes on to encourage anybody to call the TBTL hotline when they're making a phone call to avoid an awkward situation which sounds like an awesome idea. Um, and uh, personally, that made me think of the great Key and Peele sketch pizza order where yeah. uh, it's it's Peele, right, who plays the, the large man who's sitting at home alone and orders just a massive amount of pizza and then keeps shouting out to a non-existent party to add on to the order and then in brilliant key and peel fashion the the sketch takes a very odd left turn about halfway through and it's yeah. probably my favorite key and peel sketch of all time so if uh if people haven't seen that i highly recommend the key and peel sketch called pizza order i can't call it my favorite because that's continental breakfast but uh, <laughs> i could see pizza order going in the top five it's it's both funny and also just so surreal and weird by the end of the sketch. It's just just absolute genius. So, <laughs> and did did you say you worked in fast food at some point in your uh, long ago? I did. Was it Taco John's? Did, did, am it I was. Remembering that it was the Taco John's at Rosedale. <laughs> I know you know that Taco John's. I. Uh, well, I grew up in White Bear Lake, Minnesota, which had a Taco John, so I was certainly... Oh, I know that one! Yeah. <laughs> it's right off of 61, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. So <laughs> my brother still loves Taco John's to this day. It's, uh, you know, the the potato olays are, are mm -hmm. the, the kind of signature Taco John's. Uh, yeah, anybody looking for a good uh, shame-eating meal, come and order a six-pack and a pound. Six hard-shell tacos and a pound of potato olays. <laughs> yeah, that that would be a, a shame uh, shame eating meal. I think just in and of itself, <laughs> even if you're sharing it with somebody. So, 
I apparently missed something glorious on my trip to the Twin Cities. <laughs> really, really not. No. <laughs> it's uh, it's what what you eat if you want to make a Taco Bell seem delicious. So. Uh, but that will kind of Wednesday, Wednesday, twenty three thirty seven, a legal eagle, as listener bet noted in our Simpsons watch notes, and I had the exact same thoughts. Um, we finally, after all this fraternal organization talk on TBTL, get an intro from the Stonecutters episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> uh, it was only a matter of time, uh, and we open with conversation about the gleification of the world. Uh, which everyone except Genevieve seems to agree about <laughs> with a, a, a boom of um, of the musical influence on TV and pop culture. Um, and Anne, you brought that to the table this week to our conversations with mm-hmm. the TV show that you are nerding out about. Not to steal from another 10710 show. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, my very favorite show, which I have mentioned before on this podcast, is Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is a full musical. They write two to four original musical numbers for every episode, and they're parody numbers. So the it's not your average run-of-the-mill musical. Uh, it has two seasons. They're both on Netflix. So if anybody wants to check that out, watch two episodes. And if you don't like it, then we can't be friends. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a show that overcomes I haven't seen it except for the clips that you've sent so I've seen a handful of the musical numbers uh, a conversation that started because of a conversation about UTIs because of my cat mm-hmm. so that was delightful um, <laughs> and yes that's directly relevant to the musical number you sent me uh, yes. this show overcomes both a terrible name and the fact that it's on the CW yep so I mean, it- if it changes anybody's mind, it was supposed to be a half-hour comedy on Showtime, so it was built for a Showtime audience. And then when they decided to drop it, it somehow got picked up to the, by the CW. And you look at the title, and you look at the premise, and you think it's just you know a CW show about pretty twenty-somethings who are bad actors, and it is not. It's so funny. So That's my I, pitch. I will give it a try. It's somebody I told you I need to get through the backlog of NCIS reruns again, but at some point <laughs> right. I will get to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, this is the night after the taping of the show that uh, Andrew and Genevieve are going to be officially inducted as Eagles. Andrew is excited to finally have access to the members-only pull tabs, which leads to a tangent about Luke buying all the things that he couldn't afford or get his hands on as a kid, including a members-only jacket. Mm-hmm. Um and there was some other then, type of jacket too that he was really into, right? Was it? Um, well, there was that. Was it the headline news? No, the I forget what it's called now. But yes, he's been chasing his youth in so many <laughs> different ways. I mean, this is just like the sneakers that he bought that are actually not the right size for him to even wear. You know, once in a while, I'd say once a year, once every couple of years, I'll buy a case of Capri Sun at the grocery store because that's something my mother would never buy when I was a kid. Um, thankfully mm. that has not translated to, um, uh, sneakers and, and vintage jackets. Bobby, that's why you donate blood. Cause they give you a Capri Sun <sighs> at the end of it. <laughs> that's a good point. Although I used to do a lot more blood donations and, uh, we only got, uh, off brand juice. I don't remember ever getting a Capri Sun. I need to give oh. blood, uh, near you after I go to Taco John's. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I think that blood, the sodium levels would be way too high. Yeah, yeah. I think that disqualifies you from giving blood once you have that stuff in your system. So, Why are there potato olays floating around in this bag? <laughs> Uh, we are reminded that the big hang-up and the reason Phyllis Fletcher couldn't become an eagle is that you have to um, uh, affirm that you believe in a, quote, supreme being. Uh, and even the eagles uh, running the ceremony say, even if Diana Ross is your, quote, unquote, supreme being, which I really like, <laughs> you still have to say something uh, – and it's uh, got the same level of anxiety as a verbal yes in the exit row of an airplane. <laughs> Luke. <laughs> and uh, I see the notes here. Could Phyllis join now with Diana Ross? That's a good point. We're going to have to take that to her. Yeah, yeah, because I know she had a – since she's an atheist, she had a moral uh, qualm about affirming existence in a supreme being. But I think she could affirm the existence of Diana Ross, so – Maybe she right. can join uh, Andrew now in pulling the tabs from the members only uh, carton or box <laughs> from the special box. <laughs> yes. The, the problem with Phyllis is that she's too nice and too altruistic. And so she would see through any shortcutting on the virtue of that <laughs> question. Whereas Genevieve and Andrew have absolutely no problem short circuiting the <laughs> that question. <laughs> This is all about spirit of the law versus letter, right? Right, and exactly. Phyllis yeah. is firmly on the side of the spirit of the law. Phyllis, you need to be a strict constitutionalist when it comes to your <laughs> Eagles membership. <laughs> Go with the words on the page. It's not your job to uh, interpret. Uh, I would say the highlight of Wednesday and maybe even the highlight for the week is the Technotronics Techno Geek with Spreadsheet donors of the day. <laughs> Yeah, I, I definitely am into that song. That's one of been been one of the better donor songs in a long, long time. I think. Well, and and Luke clearly woke up with a great idea and spent all morning following it through. <laughs> uh, it's times like this that I'm glad that we're all helping them do this for a living. Um, yes. Yeah, because that's that's the kind of magic that wouldn't make sense to anyone else listening, but to to true listeners, regular listeners, that's a reward right there. Uh, I hope they stick with it for a little while longer, at least, because I want to hear the payoff on that. <laughs> uh, we got a new sponsor on Wednesday from Dashline Password Protection. It's the encryption thingy where you log through them and they make all your passwords. And um, and it's not just trying to outsmart your ex-wife on iTunes. Um, <laughs> Can this possibly be a coincidence after the previous week's password talk? Yeah, I don't know. Can they turn it around that fast that they could get a sponsorship? Or was this already sort of in the shoot and it just happened to uh, come out now? I would guess that they probably, that the Dash Lane people have some kind of social media person who searches for people who are talking about passwords and then uses that to do some ad buys. That would be my guess, but... It would be weird for Luke to go on and on about not having more than three passwords when he knew they were going to get sponsored by a password manager. Or 
maybe it was all an elaborate setup for the sponsor. <laughs> I love that you're giving them that much credit. Yeah, yeah. That, that seems like a, a level of planning that has never existed on this show. <laughs> Uh, Top Story Wednesday, Rachel Maddow's uh, pulling a Ron and Don swept the quarter hour just rambling uh, uh, with the Trump taxes thing, only to reveal basically nothing. I don't think we need to reanalyze the analysis of this. I think Mm -hmm. we're probably all in agreement that it was painful. And it is also the last time, the only time in many, many months I've watched the first hour of Maddow. So I fell for it. So it worked. Yeah, I, I did the same thing. I don't normally watch her, and I did, and I thought it was terrible and overwrought, and I pretty much agreed with everything that was said on TBTL. I, I did not find out about it, I think, in time. Well, also, I don't have cable, so how am I going to watch it? <laughs> but I just kept thinking uh, about how much it was like Geraldo and the whole <laughs> Al Capone's vault thing, where it was all build up, build up, build up, get the viewers nothing yeah yeah it was pretty painful and i got over to uh i got over to msnbc a few minutes early so i caught the end of chris hayes and they had a countdown box a chiron oh man with a ticker <laughs> down to zero for this i mean they really uh they really sold the crap out of this and it just even msnbc the the network that i probably most closely align with through a personal st- i mean they are who i watched when i was drinking through inauguration day uh but i just i was so angry at the manipulation of the whole thing yeah, yeah. Um, well and they even yeah. had chris hayes on the end of the maddow show yeah to kind of say you know talk about it and give his analysis and so he kind of had to gin something up but it was clearly just nothing <laughs> to talk um, about really the silver lining of all of this was that knowing that people were tuning in at the end of Chris Hayes' show, the last thing he did before he socked out to Maddow was plug his upcoming book tour. <laughs> <laughs> they literally put a picture of the book on the screen. He said the city was he was going to. <laughs> and that was pretty great. In fact, I think I'm going to try to go see him on Wednesday in Boston now because I didn't realize he was coming to town. Oh, nice. So it kind of worked. Uh, I mean, I've got the book on pre-order because, you know, if you're 10 and you write a book, let me know. I'll buy it. But, uh, you know, and I read his first one. But I just thought it was really funny that, that I wonder, I don't know if he had pre-planned to do that at the end of the show or not. But then when all this happened, I mean, he seized the opportunity, which was good. Uh, we get an interview with the Kelly family. That's the uh, guy who got barged in by the adorable kids and then turned into an Internet sensation. It was a follow-up interview, uh, and the guys talked about it. And I think you isolated the highlight of this. Oh, my God. When Andrew said, quote, he probably barely knows who Kanye West is, and I find that refreshing. (laughs) I was like, really, Andrew? (laughs) Yeah. Luke brings back poor Connor Mulcahy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and there's conversation about how he could do a great video game monster voice but uh, Luke says he's failed at even approaching those kinds of gigs in the past because he can't hold an accent long enough to record a record a whole set he that can only, is true he yes. can only do a character that sounds like Luke Burbank or maybe Bill Clinton uh, and then we get a text from Sammy uh, Luke's brother Sammy 
uh, about uh, ASMR, uh, which opens up to a lot more ASMR talk later. No, I'm not going to do it. I was going to whisper it, but I'm not going to be that guy. <laughs> more on ASMR to come. Uh, then we get a voicemail uh, from a listener following up on station ID talk, because apparently that was hot enough that we needed feedback. <laughs> And she just reads through the WBEZ station ID, which is a perfect example of what they were trying to do last week. Mm-hmm. Didn't uh, she do it by memory? She did do it by memory, which is impressive. If I mm-hmm. still lived in Buffalo, I think I could do the repeaters for for WBFO. Uh, I, I couldn't do the ones here because um, Rhode Island has a couple of repeaters, but I mostly listen to GBH, and I just don't well, pay what, that much attention. What's weird is KCRW, which is this uh, – public radio station here in Southern California, which Andrew used to work for, they have like four or five repeaters. So it's weird that he never mentioned that one on air since it's literally the station he worked for. And they, yeah, well, you know, (laughs) uh, and then this jumps into a surprisingly deep conversation, a little unexpectedly, basically of Luke being jealous of all of his famous friends. Uh, and the context here is that there's sort of a, a class of NPR types that all got in the NPR ranks around the same time. And, and if he had stayed, he thinks he could be as big a deal as uh, an Ari Shapiro or a Rachel Martin, who is actually not my favorite. Nobody tell her I said that. Not that she knows who I am. Um, she He thinks that if he had sort of stuck with it, uh, that, that he could be sort of a... a mid or top tier NPR host now and uh, uh, momentarily forgets the fact that he hated his NPR experience (laughs) the first time around. Right. (laughs) As he says, he he quit when the uh, general manager told him that he wasn't allowed to talk about his armpits on the air. He said, this is not for me and and left. Right. Uh, he'd still be placating the Kenny Chesney fans if he had stayed <laughs> on NPR. Uh, and uh, I'm just glad that we all recognize that pretty quickly. Uh, and then we'll just stand with a proverb. Everything has an end except sausage, which has two ends. Andrew, please don't overthink this. <laughs> you just got to go with it. <laughs> and Thursday... All right, Thursday, 2338, Deadening Deets. Luke is in Portland at the Hotel Deluxe, as per usual. Uh, Andrew is now a member of the Fraternal Order of the Eagles. And they talk about um, now how circumspect does he have to be when he's talking about them? Can he, can he talk shit? Um, and what is their level of, of um, comfort and exposure to technology? He says that the, some VP person at the Eagles has listened from time to time, but um, probably there is not much chance of him getting called on the carpet for talking about the Eagles. Um, he says that he got to pull tabs, not from the special box, the members only box, because that had been kind of worked over by the time he got to it. So they pulled tabs from the fast and furriest box. <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, um, makes Genevieve uh, bring up her theory again that Andrew is, in fact, a furry. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, and they talk about that for quite a long time, I, I thought, and uh, went yeah. directly into uh, into the top story for the day, which was that uh, McDonald's 
uh, had a pin tweet. This is the McDonald's corporate account had a pin tweet for 20 minutes that was uh, criticizing slash making fun of Trump and his tiny hands. Um, and so is this someone who's just a disgruntled employee who had access to the password or was the account hacked? If it was hacked, wouldn't they have done more? Yeah. Well, for me, the, I, I said this was kind of a close to a throw your moan moment because Andrew kept insisting that the tweet was poorly written, which it wasn't. Well. <laughs> but he was very adamant about it. And it was just a bizarre moment where it didn't seem like he really understood the tweet. But it's a tweet. Tweets don't have, you know flowing prose or anything like that so yeah i mean the grammar wasn't great this is probably not someone who got a's in english <laughs> but it was understandable and the intent of the tweet was quite clear mm -hmm. yeah i i couldn't imagine how much analysis went into is this rushed what's happening when <laughs> one of the most prolific tweeters in the world right now ends tweets with things like sad <laughs> <laughs> it's just the syntax of Twitter. It just is what it is. Well, Luke thinks that it was an an excellent tweet. Um, uh, kind of in a, from a composition standpoint, he really likes that there was the juxtaposition between all the sort of boring, safe, corporate McD's tweets, and then there's this one flamethrower tweet. And um, and what he really wants is something that will hit. Trump where it hurts. And he said that he wants Donnie T to have a bad feeling. <laughs> and he thinks that this is going to accomplish it. That sort of he, he can take hurt from, I think, pop culture insults more than any sort of intellectual or policy criticism. So that's a good point. But Andrew just, you're right, Mike, you just can't get past the fact that he thinks it was poorly executed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, then they get on to stories of other bad people when they talk about Julian Assange. And in a very rich turn, Assange is pissed that he isn't Twitter verified, <laughs> um, which he they think it has to be an intentional decision by Twitter. This wasn't like, you know, his paperwork fell through the cracks or they just haven't gotten to him or anything. And Assange is trying to spin it the exact same way that Luke did, saying that um, because he's so prominent and I don't know if popular is the right word, the fact that he isn't Twitter, Twitter verified makes him extra special, super cool. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and Luke is, is fairly disconcerted by this particular revelation. I don't know that it's going to make him change his thinking about this. Um, and they talk about how WikiLeaks is now falling out of favor because it's become clear that they are not um, some apolitical. I think Luke refers to Julian Assange as this um, apolitical Robin Hood of information. In, from the things that they have released, uh, it's clear that they very much have an agenda that they'd like to accomplish, whether that's sort of a, a political agenda or if it's, um, I, I don't know, anarchy. Who knows what they're trying to do? But he, he can't play the public good card any longer. Right. Yeah. The thought was, you know, it started altruistic for Sunshine in the journalistic sense, but then has heavily skewed and uh 
this is the kind of thing that people well above Luke and Andrew's pay grade can be debating for a long time. Mm, I think Assange's been a creep for a long time. Well, that's true, too. And and Luke was actually, I think, pretty smart when he said he was just going to steer away from the sexual stuff. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, feel free to critique him on that as you will. I don't know that there's a lot of gray area there. He's a creep. Uh, the the media releasing stuff, um, I, maybe it's just showing his true colors now. I don't know. I've never really liked any of this business. No. Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't know enough about it to really be able to gauge what is public good from WikiLeaks and what is just sort of weird information terrorism. I mean, I have a better idea now, but I never really understood very much what was going on with that. So anything that frustrates Julian Assange is fine by me. <laughs> I'm mainly just disappointed that this whole conversation happened without any on our media. Bom, bom, bom. Bom, bom, bom. Bom, 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 bom. In emails for the day, they have some confusing thing where they have some deep throat anonymous source for the... TV ratings power outage down in Florida where the um, uh, I guess not just cable news but it would be all TV networks couldn't get their overnight ratings. Um, I don't know why they reference this person that they're not allowed to talk about because they don't say what this person said. They just move on to saying that Chris Hayes also got in touch with them and says that the, the ratings are coming in now. It wasn't that they were lost in this mysterious blackout. It was just that they were delayed. Uh, and then they talk about their feelings about their own um, their own ratings and how it's kind of liberating not to know what your ratings are and how Andrew at one point was very obsessed with uh, TBTL downloads and uh, Luke had to tell him to just, just put the numbers down because no good is going to come from obsessing over them and trying to find patterns in them. And as a data analyst and statistician, I say, how dare you (laughs) pick the numbers up, Andrew. Uh, And you put more effort into a report that you built for us on LRB's show numbers than I put into my, my last year of college. (laughs) (laughs) uh and with that we're gonna friday 2339 joke exploder my personal favorite episode title of the week uh we open with uh another bart scampson slash scompson uh reference there's a couple of those this week actually luke's still at the hotel deluxe as we learn later in the episode because of a certain phone call from housekeeping and we get back into uh, ASMR talk, but it is through a series of tangents that <laughs> I did not accurately note in my notes, but Anne put into a specifically uh, newly created sheet on our run sheet <laughs> tracking Friday's tangents. So let's go in order, starting with Luke being in a good mood because he's just finished up with Livewire that's going on a three week break. Leading to the first tangent, which is the ASMR version of Smash Mouth's All-Star, where everything except the breath, the breaths have been cut out. Which was genuinely uh, and, unsettling. Yes, I yeah. found it really disturbing. Yeah. 
Uh, Smash Mouth Talk led to a tangent about the Twitter beef going on between the Mariners and the Oakland A's, which is pretty funny. Uh, burns have been laid both ways in that war, and uh, the Mariners got a burn in on the A's by lacing their response to one of the tweets with some Smash Mouth All-Star lyrics, <laughs> uh, which took a little bit of effort and uh, was pretty impressive. Uh, that led to a conversation about the Oakland A's and Smash Mouth's Twitter beef from last year, which was talked about extensively on the show back then uh, and got wrapped up again here, uh, which led to tangent number four, which is why do people keep messing with the song All Star? <laughs> I don't understand that either. <laughs> uh, and that is what brought us all the way back to our episode title, Joke Exploder. <laughs> Because Luke thinks someone should do a dive, a deep dive, a high dive on the song All Star. <laughs> and he nominates uh, Richie Cache, uh, excuse me, Richie Cache Herway, uh, the, the man behind Song Exploder, which is a great podcast that I don't listen to regularly because I, I'm not smart enough. I need to put it back in my feed, actually. Uh, he also co hosts the West Wing Weekly podcast, which I am loving as a nerd. Yeah, those are both great podcasts. I'm a huge, obviously being an audio engineer, I'm a huge fan of Song Exploder and the West Wing Weekly too. So the yeah, Joke Exploder. That's a, that's a pretty good spoof, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the funny thing is, uh, I think Joshua Molina's star power brings a lot of people to West Wing Weekly, um, but but Richie K. Sherway really carries the water and makes it a good podcast and Joshua Molina is really just there for color commentary. Um, but I, I like, I like both podcasts a lot and I've been really loyal to West Wing weekly. And by the way, if you're not following along at home, um, check in with Christy on her West Wing watching group. Uh, I, because I've seen the series so many times, I'm not watching it again with them, but I do love seeing the posts pop up of people in that group who are also tens noting things that remind them of TBTL. <laughs> uh, we get a new segment on Friday uh, called Andrew Didn't Get the Joke, <laughs> where he mentions <laughs> that at the end of Thursday's uh, episode, he laughed at a joke uh, about the police, even though he had no idea what it meant. And Luke notes that they were having audio issues, and he may just not have heard uh, that Luke referenced the album Synchronicity. And my instinct is that if Andrew had heard the word synchronicity, he would have known that that's a police album because I think that's something he would know. Um, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he didn't uh, hear it, not he didn't know it. But they did go ahead and role play it <laughs> <laughs> and do it all over again. <laughs> Which is something you Which should was, always do when you when somebody doesn't get a joke. So. <laughs> yeah, and and that was. I pretty, really pretty wish good. that Luke had agreed that they should switch roles. <laughs> that Luke should be Andrew and Andrew should be Luke. Yeah, I feel like you should never get to play yourself in role playing. That's cheating. <laughs> uh, then uh, passing reference to Milton Berle, uh, and you said you'd rather not think of this. <laughs> well, I mean, if we have to talk about it, we have to talk about it. But well, I mean, do I don't want I don't want to think about Uncle Milty's <laughs> Legend, legendary not, genitals. Not. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
so I was distracted getting ready to start the show today. Boy, I'm really just painting a real picture of my life. But uh, Murder, She Wrote happened to be on TV today. <laughs> and I happened to catch an episode with Milton Berle. And it just, just – uh, and I just – I found myself staring at him in a whole different way. I mean, I've always <laughs> known this about him. But I never really actively thought about it until listening to Friday's show. Um, he does – he does have a certain confidence about him. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, you know, I'm kind of a Hollywood history nerd, and that's certainly a very legendary story. Not only that he had a legendarily large junk, but he was also apparently very free about showing it to whoever would ask or even offering to uh, demonstrate his uh, abilities, so to speak. Uh, oh, my goodness. To well, Uncle I mean, Milt. Anybody. If, if he had it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can't really unthink that whenever you see him now. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, you know, if you got it, flaunt it. I mean, that's uh, good. Good for him. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Holt Steady was on Livewire, and uh, since they're from Minnesota, Luke asked the Stewbot to write some questions for the Holt Steady. Um, and I'm just going to yield to you on this. Did everything check out? Uh, uh, the thing that I noticed was that Luke was talking about the radio station and uh, how the correct answer was that they were playing Bob Seeker, <laughs> and that uh, Luke tried to come up with the call numbers, call, call numbers, the call letters on his own, and he said KQSR, and he was so close, it's KQRS. I am very impressed that he got that close. I mean, for a station he probably has never tried to tune into, yeah, that's not too bad. Mm-mm. Uh, Luke takes us down the road of ASMR haircut videos, which... It's supposed to be a conversation about how this is not sexual and yet was extremely sexual. <laughs> yeah, he keeps being sort of hung up on the whole sex stuff part of it. I don't, I don't know. I mean, everybody says it is majority and non-sexual thing. And Luke's like, but yeah, but what about the sex? <laughs> I mean, if you're getting a haircut from an attractive woman in a low-cut shirt, that's just a bonus, right? Because you're there for the haircut. Right. Unless you're Milton Berle. And then, you know, you're going to show All up. All bets are off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Luke mentions that as a kid, he enjoyed school-wide lice checks because it was a free <laughs> scalp massage. <laughs> Uh, and then there's an aside about the Muttley laugh, which I want to mention mainly because if you've ever heard uh, me or Mike or someone in the presence of Mike Frizzell mention Muttleying, or you listen to the Takedown podcast back in the day, making Mike laugh so hard that he wheezes is called making Mike Muttley. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of the greatest, most satisfying things I've ever done on a podcast. Anytime I've been able to make Mike go Muttley. <laughs> uh is it Luke who says he still falls asleep to a, yeah, a YouTube video of a box fan? Yes. Which I think we've <laughs> talked about before. <laughs> yes, because Andrew has the complicated white noise audio mix. Right, which he got a new phone, so he has to remix his audio mix. <laughs> uh, which reminds me, Mike, we didn't at all talk about what you do, but we're going to have to get you on a Friday show because um, this is your world. Yes, yes. Well, Not the white noise part, but audio... <laughs> 
Well, just very briefly, uh, I am a, my technical title is a sound re-recording mixer. So I do sound for movies and TV shows and commercials. So all the... Oh, is that all? That's that's it. Yeah. So mainly commercials these days. I uh, I do commercials for Fox Movie Channels, my big client. And I just mixed uh, a Netflix comedy special for Norm MacDonald. That's coming out sometime in the near future. And uh, so, yeah, that's what I do. I'm here in my home. So how are you with white noise? I, I'm not a noise person when I sleep. I like it quiet myself. But so all this elaborate, you know, noise shaping that they do in order to fall asleep is is beyond me. I, I, I like it to be as quiet as humanly possible when I sleep. Top story from Friday, Richard Simmons podcast. I've yet to listen to this. Um, Richard Simmons has disappeared. Not disappeared, disappeared, but is being a bit of a recluse. And this quote-unquote friend is doing this podcast. Most people listening to this already know more about this than I do. Um, the comment that threw me here is that Luke thinks that Richard Simmons, quotes owes us as the public some news mm-hmm. on where he is. But then quickly backpedals off using the words owes us because he realizes that's completely not true when you look at it literally. <laughs> Um, well, he he said it last week when he said that Alec Baldwin owes it to us to continue doing the Trump impression. Right. Yeah. Same. So corner. clearly he has a, a something deeper going on here. Well, to stick up for Luke a little bit, I've listened to that podcast and that that's what the host of the podcast says in it, too. So it's not like Luke kind of came up with that on his own. It's weird because the, the, I think it's five five episodes have been released now and there's going to be one more and in the fifth one the host who's gone to these great lengths to track richard simmons down on one hand says oh richard simmons has the absolute right to be private and and you know not interact with the public anymore but then he does pretty much say but richard simmons owes us an explanation as well so uh it's not like luke was coming up with this completely on his own yeah uh, I, I see a pretty simple thing here, actually. The podcast might be really good, and maybe I'll go listen to it at some point. When you live the public life, you live in a public, you live in a fishbowl. That's why libel and slander laws are different when you're a celebrity because you've chosen to put yourself in that position. Um, however, we don't have to be a dick about it. <laughs> like if Richard Simmons wants to go off and do his own thing now, as a society, we can choose to not be a dick. And that would be right. to not invade his privacy at this point, if that's what he wants. Um, and, and I think it's pretty clear that there are some mental illness issues at play. So I think people need to step a little lightly. And uh, and one, uh, I, I listened to some discussion about this on another podcast. I have not listened because I, I did have some sort of, I wasn't sure how I felt about it. But on this other podcast, they were saying that maybe he just has compassion fatigue he spent his whole entire life really um, making such emotional connections that are so important to so many people, as has been demonstrated in the podcast. Maybe he, he just gave all that he had to give, and now he wants a little alone time. Yep. And we could continue this conversation, but we're pretty long in the tooth, and it's mm-hmm. uh, housekeeping interrupting. <laughs> Music for your weekend. Luke says the band uh, Them, uh, which was Van Morrison's uh, early band, uh, it's all over now, baby blue. And he notes that this is an appropriate choice because it's St. Patrick's Day. And 
Uh, them is a band from Belfast. I thought it was a little weird to pick a band from Northern Ireland for this, but uh, fine. Uh, Andrew brings Andy Schauf. Uh-huh. <laughs> Andy yep. Schauf. Andy Schauf with Quite Like You, uh, which he actually just stole from a listener named Matt. And then Megan in Horseheads, which is a beautiful little town just outside of Elmira and Corning in uh, central southern New York, uh, brings uh, Chicano Batman's friendship, parenthetically, is a small boat in a storm. That's your music for your weekend this week. Housekeeping! We'll uh, sweep through housekeeping pretty quickly because we said we were going to be out in five minutes. So let's stick to that. Uh, As far as the archive project contest goes, I just thought of a great new slogan. Be like Mike. Genius. Right? Uh Uh-huh. Don't you think that has a certain sort of flair? Be like me. You can be like Mike. Mm Mm-hmm. Please submit your episodes to the archive, and we'll get you entered into the next drawing, and you could get something really fun and awesome. So we appreciate all the help that we can get. Uh, Please remember to use our Amazon link when you're shopping. Um, uh, We have lots of fun things that people are buying, uh, littleredbandwagon.com slash Amazon. Uh, On Earbuds and Earworms this week, songs about sleep. Songs about sleep. I couldn't help it. I couldn't get through the whole episode without it. I knew it was coming eventually. (laughs) And uh, for Nerd Out Loud, uh, we're not sure if there's going to be a new episode. We've still, the latest episode is the one that Jeremy uh, recorded with Ellie that is pretty special. So if for some reason you haven't listened to it, please do. She is smart and interesting and a really great young person. Way to go, Jeremy. You did something right. <laughs> yep. How you can get involved with the show, com on Facebook, LittleRedBandWagon, and the Stens page, the show Twitter's LRB Podcast. And Mike, how can the world find you? Uh, you can friend me on Facebook. Uh, I'm friends with most of the LRB crew there. Uh, my Twitter handle is mfarnan. That's M-F-A-R-N-A-N. Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's m underscore farnan. And uh, that's it. All right, then. So get on that, everyone. Email us at littlewhitebandwagon at gmail.com. Voicemails and texts to 802-432-TBTL, 802-432-8285. And with that, Mike, thank you for jumping in this week. And uh, I like the slogan, Be Like Mike, and know that when we say that, we're talking about this Mike. Uh, <laughs> yes. Because the other, the other Mike is archived like one episode ever. So be, be like this Mike. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was uh, a lot of fun. And uh really long episode too so i'm glad i really got my money's worth you know (laughs) we had to have you open that box of loot and uh we gave you the episode where we had to talk about boner pills so we appreciate it (laughs) yes i'm going to be uh you know drinking my beer or my stout and going nuts on the uh various food items and wearing my darn good uh baseball cap here very soon so uh, yeah so it's quite a picture (laughs) <laughs> uh mike how how excited should our future uh loot winners be about receiving packages like this one i would say very excited you know this uh this is both not only do you have some tasty food and some alcohol but also some great uh specific uh tbtl uh related items that uh, were 
brilliantly suggest, uh, selected by Jeremy and Christy. So uh, if you've ever hesitated about archiving, which should really be its own reward, but uh, if you need a little extra encouragement, just think of all the great stuff you could get in your wagons full of loot. It was a leading question, and you answered it beautifully. <laughs> Uh, and until next time, I'll get us out of here. This is the next party. And we love you, Jen. Nailed it. Bloop, bloop, goes the poop. <laughs>